jumper on the way. Good! Tyus Battle nails the three! Dungey leaps and into the end zone for Dungey. A touchdown! If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Howard, oh! soaring through the air, high-flying Slovakian. Screen pass here, he'll get one. And he stays alive, and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat, he'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse. And for Syracuse, party time. The upset, pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration. Step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation. So glad to have you with us. Give us a call, 315-437-7644. You can also text us at 315-288-0644. We're going to talk plenty of SU football on the show today. Allison Posey, good friend of the program. She's the sports director at WTXL down in Tallahassee, Florida. We've had her on the show before. She'll join us at 1 o'clock to preview Syracuse, Florida State, inside the Dome this weekend. She can give us the, the Florida State side of things I think the sky is falling down there. It's been a rocky Steve. start, to I think say the, the least. The sky is falling. Blown yes. out by Virginia Tech. Probably should have lost to Samford. Yes. Um, but we're, they were able to win that game and, and move to one and one. But uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think the sky is falling to some degree with, with Willie Taggart, the new head coach down there. And we'll get Allison Posey's thoughts on this matchup and, and what's going on with the Seminoles. We begin, though, uh, with the NFL. I do want to get your thoughts on SU football since you were, you were out yeah. yesterday and, and something Julian Wiggum uh, said on the show. But we begin with the NFL, and we have to talk about and have to start with that performance last night by the New York Jets slash that performance last night by Sam Darnold. Very first play of the game, throws back across his body, off balance, it's picked off, taken back for a touchdown, and you're like, okay, this is about what we expected. After that, Sam Darnold had a grand total of four incompletions, threw for just about 200 yards, couple of touchdowns, Jets win going away. Yeah. I did not see that coming. No, I didn't either. I didn't either. I, I didn't think they were going to win. I, I certainly didn't see them winning uh, by the score they did. I didn't see them scoring, what was it, tw- uh, 21 unanswered? In the in the four, in the third and fourth quarters, I didn't see that coming. Uh, that that was uh, remarkable. I mean, that was an incredible performance. Sam Darnold looked fantastic, um, and I, I have to say, this was really funny. I, I was with uh, I was with my family uh, last night, and all of my dad's sisters are Jets fans, and my brother's a Jets fan, and like all their kids are Jet fans. And when Darnold threw the the pick six, everyone just started laughing. Like, just couldn't help themselves. Like, everybody just started laughing at, at, like, oh, of course, it's the Jets. This is, this is, this, this is what happens to us. It was just, it was perfect. It, it was the only way for his career to start. And then he bounced back in yeah, a big and then he way. Was great. And, and the then Jets he was defense fantastic. was, was terrific. You know, the Lions threw five interceptions. Matt Stafford threw four interceptions. Obviously, there was the one that was taken back for a touchdown, so the Jets had a pick six of their own. 
I couldn't help though, but but watch that game last night and knowing that that you were going to be on the show today and knowing you're a Giants fan and knowing how you felt around the time of the NFL draft when the the Giants went after Saquon Barkley and at the time you said they are going to regret this. They yep. should have picked Sam Darnold. I couldn't help but think of you. Yep. And and wonder even though Barkley was great. Barkley went eh, over 100 yards eh, rushing. Had 100 eh. yards rushing and yeah. had a touchdown. One of them was a 70-yard touchdown run. Okay. Like it was an it was an exciting electrifying play. But that's play. why you I got him. That's yes, why you got him. You got him for that home run play, but like he was I I don't think he was Great. I mean, he was he they was consistently went up losing. The Jacksonville I know, defense. Look, he had a hundred yards. Yes, and a, a couple all of, of it catches. on one carry. Legitimately, all of it on one carry. All right. So you were less than impressed. I was not. I, thought, I was. I was underwhelmed. By I Saquon thought he Barkley. did what they got him to do, which was they got him be a for the home run. run. They got be him a home for the run home hitter, run and against the best defense yes. in the NFL, he got a home run, and you know he did his job. So I mean, we could disagree they got about him, that. They got him for the home run threat. He was the home run threat. But here's here's my thing. He can be Emmett Smith, and and Sam Darnold can be the Stafford equivalent, and that is still the wrong pick, right? Like he can be the greatest running back ever, and and Darnold can just be like a good quarterback. Well, for if he's a the decade. greatest running back ever. No, that might be taking it too no, far. No, it's still the wrong pick. It's still the wrong pick because for the next fifteen years they won't have a quarterback. And so it's still the wrong pick because you need a quarterback to win, and you can have a great running back, and it doesn't mean crap. So it's it's the wrong pick. Like it's it's just the wrong pick. And he can be great. He's shown flashes of it, and he ran for a seventy yard touchdown, and it was awesome. But he's not a quarterback, and it's the wrong pick. And it was it was before they made it. It was when they made it, and it will be for the next fifteen years. It doesn't matter. It's the wrong pick. It's funny you say that the running back doesn't matter. That it goes back to something we talked about on Friday with with Le'Veon Bell. And I said, you know, he better hope that, that James Conner comes out and, and doesn't have a good game. And then, so what does Conner come out and do? He had essentially 200 yards of total yep. offense and two touchdowns. He's great. Plug in the next yes. guy. Like, we want yes. you on this team, Le'Veon Bell, but at, at a certain price, and if you're going to be unreasonable, then we don't need you. We will plug in the next guy. Right. It's Running back is a lot more plug-and-play than quarterback. And my problem was that you, you could find a running back – Somewhere else, and and in the draft specifically, the gap between first round running back and second or third round running back is so much smaller than the gap between first round quarterback, specifically top of the first round quarterback, and second or third or fourth round quarterback, which is the the calculation the Giants made. They could have gotten a quarterback in round one, and then they could have gotten and and gotten Nick Chubb at the at the beginning of round two. Or they could have gotten Darius Geis at the beginning of round two. Or they could have gotten any other running back. And that talent gap is so much smaller than uh, Sam Darnold to Kyle Lawletta, who they ended up getting in the fourth round. Right? Like the the gap is just so much different. And, and it's a, you're talking about a different plane. And, and when you're talking about arguably the most important position in all of sports, why would you why would you do what they did? Why would you bet on a 37-year-old to to go do that? Who's had three bad seasons in a row? Why would you bet on that? Like it was, it was just stupid. So, which game was was more difficult for you to watch? A five point loss to the Jags, or what happened last night? No, watching the Giants the, game. Was, watching the Jets no, the Giants do what they did last night. I expected night. Sam Darnold to be good. You did, yeah. In the first game, yes. I didn't expect him to be good in the would, first game. I thought he would be good from almost from the jump. Yes. 
I'll be honest with you. I picked up the Lions defense in both of my fantasy leagues because I did not <laughs> think he was going to be good last night. I did get the pick six, so all was not lost. But he played a, a heck of a lot better than I thought. And, and the Jets, just as a whole, played a heck of a lot better Their than I thought. Their defense looked fantastic. They did. They did. Like, I, I, thought, I thought Sam Darnold could have been good and been impressive and they wouldn't win or they wouldn't certainly win like that. Uh, their defense was phenomenal, and and I guess like to an extent you should have expect you should have expected the defense to be decent. I mean they've got talent, they've spent so much. It's draft a pretty good there. offense they went up against though. Yeah, and I didn't think it would be so. I, I didn't think it would be that good, and I know they've spent a lot of draft capital on Darren Lee and Jamal Adams, and you know on down the list. Uh, that was surprising that they were that good. I saw a stat uh, thrown out there regarding the Jets that they are the first team since 1992. With a passing touchdown, rushing touchdown, defensive touchdown, and return touchdown yep. of more than 30 yards in the same game. Not the first time the Jets did it on, on Monday Night Football. The Jets had done that on Monday Night Football before, which I found shocking. I mean, it was in like 1983. But they had done it on Monday Night Football, which is, I mean, they're not on small, Monday Night Football. This small is, sample size, right? They're not it's, on Monday Night yeah. Football that often. Maybe once a year. It's their can thing. I, can I throw out my three favorite stats from the weekend? Sure. They're all Cleveland does, Browns related. I was going to say, does one of them involve the Bills? Okay, no, if they, if they don't all, involve the Bills, no, then go for they're it. They're all Cleveland Browns related. I don't know which one of these three is the best. Well, I think I do, but I don't know for sure which one of these three is the best. Uh, the Browns were plus five in takeaways on Sunday. Since the Browns returned to the NFL, teams with a turnover margin of plus five or better in a game are 132-4-1. The Browns are now responsible for two of those losses and the tie. Wow. I was going to say, how do you lose? I, th- I was pretty sure you were going to say something in zero and one. No. They are responsible for two of the four losses and the lone tie. Four lo- plus five in the turnover yes, battle, and, and you, you lose. lose. I hope you're plus. I, I, yeah, I mean, I hope you turned it over once or twice to you know even things out. Goodness gracious. That's okay. That's a good one. That's incredible. Uh, this is the first time since week nine of 2015 that the Browns don't have the worst record in the NFL, which is just amazing. That is. <laughs> that is just unbelievable. And this, I think this one's my favorite. At 0-0-1, this is the Browns' best start since 2004. That doesn't seem possible. <laughs> no, they had lost. They had lost their opener every year for the last 13 years. They tied, and they have a better record than they had after week one each of the last 13 years. That, like you said, that that shouldn't be possible. That I doesn't did, feel possible. That shouldn't be possible. I did see that stat because you happened to tweet it out. They were actually scrolling that on the bottom <laughs> <Yes>. line. Browns, <laughs> best start since 2004. And they didn't even win. They didn't even win. As long as you're talking about the Browns, uh, do you think that that game... Helped Le'Veon Bell's case at all, or or hurt it? Because I think you know. I don't I, think it matters. I said this yesterday. I think if anything, he comes back sooner than he was going to. I don't think it matters because ultimately, ultimately, it's Le'Veon Bell's choice, right? Because he is. It, oh, at it's, the his, po- it's his choice. No, but, but that hurt his. That hurts his value in my opinion. Have, but it doesn't matter. That's not what he's going for. He it's he's not getting another contract offer. Not this there year. Were, you don't think this hurts his value no. and the, the value of the running back position? No, because everybody knows what the value of the running back position is. And he, and, and as long as he comes back before week 10, he's an unrestricted free agent. And he's the best running back in the league. You know, he'll get paid by somebody. I think the, the problem is that he wants something that he can't get. Right? That's his problem right now. He wants something that at this point on September 11th he can't get. 
He wants a long-term contract and he wants it right now. And you're not you're, you're just not allowed to do that. Right? He doesn't want to he doesn't want to sign a one-year deal. He doesn't want to sign this one-year deal, be running to the ground with 20 25 30 35 touches a game and then the Steelers say, "Yeah, you're you're good. See ya. Like you're on your way." And now he's 20 uh 26 27-year-old free agent with all these miles and all these touches on him and that might be the only thing that scares the team away. Right? If you if you just use him and and abuse him and and give him 400 touches over the course of the season, what what incentive is there for somebody to go sign him after that heavy a workload? So I I think that's why Le'Veon Bell is now sitting this out because oh, he's like no, he's I like understand I don't, why he's sitting it out. What I don't I'm, deserve to take that beating for them to not commit to me. I get the reason he's sitting out. What I'm saying is is if James Conner okay was one game, if this this turns into two games, three games where he has that same kind of production, I don't think there's any doubt. I think that hurts his value. I I, I just do because if, if but they're not the same player. Connor's doing it oh, no, no, no. solely as a running back. Bell I'm, has. I'm the... not saying that they're the same player. I'm no, saying I know, it, but it, it hurts. His, it hurts his value in that. All right, fine. You're not here. We'll plug the next guy in, and we're getting the same but, amount of yards and the same amount of but, uh, but you know, touches. But are, but I'm I'm curious if they really are, and I, I'm not claiming to have watched that game closely. But like Le'Veon Bell did so much for them. Le'Veon Bell was a, uh, essentially a slot receiver. Right, who also played running back and 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 got the catches in addition to the carries. And I I don't know that James Conner does that same thing as a runner. He might be doing exactly what Le'Veon Bell did. Right, as as a pure runner, he might equal that production. I don't know that he does in the the versatility and moving it's, him around the it's field. It's the same argument. You're taking both sides of the argument about the running back position when you look at Saquon Barkley. You say I don't care what he does. It's you know it was the wrong pick and it's the running back position and it's a devalued position. And then you turn around and you're saying with Le'Veon Bell, who does the same things that Saquon Barkley does, that he's. I think there are certain running backs who are more valuable than others. I still think a quarterback is more valuable than any of them. Sure, there's no doubt about. It. That's I. I guess that's the thing. I think Le'Veon Bell is more valuable than the next running back. I think Saquon Barkley might be towards the top of the most valuable running backs list. I would take a quarterback for for ten years over any of them. I just think if this goes on with Connor, and we could disagree on this, but if Connor has another good game or two, and I mean he was fantastic. He had essentially two hundred yards of offense. He had fifty-seven receiving yards. You say he's not doing the same thing as a receiver. He had five catches for fifty-seven yards. He had what? 31 carries for 135 two touchdowns. He had 200 yards. He touched the ball 36 times. Um, if he has another game or two like that, I think this whole you know stalemate ends a little bit sooner than maybe Le'Veon Bell uh, had I mean, in mind. In my it, opinion, it, it's also just expensive. It is. <laughs> I mean, 900 grand per yeah. game. I mean, I I wouldn't want to have 900 grand not given to me for showing up. Like that's all. All he's got to do is show up, and he gets eight hundred fifty thousand dollars. I would show up. It's an expensive point that he's trying to yes, prove. That's, right? I guess that's what I'm saying. That is, that is a very expensive point that you're trying to make. All right. Well, it is Tuesday, and we'll get to our top five, bottom five in the NFL power rankings coming up in hour number but two. I yes, sir. Just wanted to bring this up. Le'Veon Bell was targeted a hundred times in passing routes last year. Like. James Conner had a, had a nice receiving game, five five catches and fifty seven yards. Le'Veon Bell had eighty five catches over the course of last season and was targeted over a hundred times. And like five times sixteen is eighty. So, that's I, a, but that's yes. a, but that's like that's that feels like a different level of of receiver. 
Okay. I mean, at least through one game, it's essentially the same. That's all my point is. And if we get another couple of games like that, I think Le'Veon Bell might come back sooner rather than later. 315-437-7644. we got to take a timeout. We'll switch gears, talk SU football on the other side. Keep it here. Orange Nation just getting started on ESPN Radio. Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. We're back on a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation. Stephen Fonte, Seth Goldberg with you up until 2 o'clock. We're brought to you in part by the Bill Rapp Superstore at the corner of Thompson and Burnett in Syracuse or online at BillRapp.com. We've got Allison Posey from WTXL in Tallahassee, Florida, set to join us at the top of hour number two as we switch gears now. And talk some SU football. The Orange, of course, welcoming Florida State to town on Saturday, the conference opener for the Orange. Florida State, of course, 0-1 in ACC play after losing to Virginia Tech. And I I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the show yesterday, Seth. I know you you said you were home. Um, Julian Wiggum sat in on your behalf. Right. And he said something that I found rather surprising. And maybe you've heard about this uh, since it was just about 24 hours ago. Uh, Julian Wiggum predicted that Syracuse would win 10 games this season. Didn't say they could win. I mean, he did say they could win. Said they will win 10 games this season. And he, you know, he mapped it out. And I I get his point. I mean, he was going opponent by opponent and saying, you know, the, the weakness of. You know, various opponents played into a strength for Syracuse, and 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 I get what he was saying, um, but that's that's quite a leap of faith. That's quite a jump to go from four wins, actual wins last year, right. to ten. Um, you know, I predicted six wins this year. I think he started the year saying he predicted seven or eight, but he is through two games. He feels like he's seen enough to ramp up I his said, expectations. I a said bit. five just because you know. Things go wrong because you didn't want to put yourself right. out there. Because things go no, I said five because things always go wrong. Uh, but I, I'm coming around. I, I think that I think I won't go to I won't go to ten. <laughs> I won't go to ten. Uh, I'll say seven. I think seven's realistic. I, I think that um, you know when when you look at and, and this isn't the perfect formula, right? But when you look at uh, ESPN's like FPI and they put all the analytics into a into a, a pot and stir it up and see what they find. Um, They've already got the two wins, obviously. And then FPI gives them a better than 50% chance in Florida State, UConn, Pitt at Pitt, UNC, NC State at the Dome. Uh, BC, potentially? And uh, Louisville. Louisville, okay. Yeah, I, I mean, so that's five, uh, that's six more. So I mean it's what it's I mean it's possible to maybe get eight I I again I I would I would probably if I were making a, a more of a prediction now I would probably go to seven and and give them the benefit of the doubt that they'll win like their home games but I, I don't I I don't see them winning I, I can't see them winning ten like that that's a step for me because I I watched the game Saturday and as crazy as it sounds like I thought they were good I I didn't think they were like incredible right I, I really didn't like they still had so many defensive issues, tackling problems. The offense felt like it sputtered at times when they didn't start in Wagner territory. Uh, the running game, I mean, you you probably would have liked it to be a little bit better <laughs> against a team of that caliber. Uh, so, like, I, I think that there were still issues in that game. That being said, like, I'm, I'm really intrigued by this weekend and I'm really interested in this weekend because this is the first time since ACC play, for sure, that... I think you can go into a Syracuse game against like a 
even though they're down, a marquee opponent, and say, hey, you know, Syracuse has a shot, right? Like, Syracuse could and probably should, you know, win this game in the Carrier Dome on their home field with a team down. I mean, that's the first time in how long that you can actually say that. I threw out the stat yesterday on News Channel 9 that that Syracuse is 0-5 against Florida State uh, since joining the ACC, and the average margin of victory is is about 26.5 points. Uh, and obviously last year's game was close, so it gives right. you an idea what the other four were like. I'm with you. I think Syracuse has a legitimately good shot to win this game on Saturday, and you know we know what the Vegas line says. It opened at about a field goal. I think it's at four, four and a half right now. So this should be a close game. I mean, it's, yes. it's considered a, a toss-up game. Uh, just to get back to your point about the Wagner game, and, and you didn't think that they looked all that good. I'll, I'll say this. Um I thought they, they were scored good, sixty-two not as points, good as you would want. and we said going in, and I think you actually raised the point on the the pregame show on the quad uh, when you got there with with myself and Julian Wiggum. You said keep it vanilla, and I think they absolutely accomplished that. Yes, and they still scored sixty-two points, and not all of it was the offense, but that in my mind could be Part partly of what I'm why they didn't dazzle you on offense is, is that a fair point yeah and, and you know to that point and I, I think it's funny they kept it so I, I think throughout the game they kept it so basic that I was surprised by the play that Ravion Pierce scored his touchdown on I was like oh that it was, was a, wide I was like I was like that was a great play I was like <laughs> that was a brilliant play design I was like why are they running that today like you know and like that wasn't anything revolutionary right like it was a play action pass but I was just like Wow, that probably could have tricked some people. Pretend you're going to block somebody and then go into the end zone and stand there. That was the play. Like, it wasn't revolutionary, but I'm like, wow, why'd they run that today? Like, they could have held that out. And that was, like, probably a very basic play. But I was like, wow, that was a great play design. Like, that, that, I think that goes to show how, how basic and vanilla that game plan was. I I did think, you know, obviously special teams played well. Wagner helped him out in that regard with the, the muff snap on the punt. Um, but Antoine Cordy with the long return, you know, I'm going to bring up Andre Schmidt, uh, making the 50 yarder. A 50 yarder is a 50 yarder, whether it's against Florida State or Wagner. Uh, he showed off his leg. He's shown to be consistent. And I realize it's only two games in, but he's been automatic on PATs and he's had, Two field goals now of 40 or more yards. He had the 43-yarder against Western Michigan right down the middle. He had a 50-yarder on Saturday against Wagner. Plenty of leg. It looked good. And and to me, that's that's a weapon. You know, I mean, last year's Florida State game came down to a field goal. Cole Murphy, Cole Murphy had a chance to, to tie it. Yep. Um, and, you know, it was it was blocked and, and, you know, not all his fault on that. Um, but to have that weapon when you know, all right, game is online. And... To be fair, we haven't seen Andre Schmidt with the game on the line yet, but he, he's he's passed the eye test to 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 this point, and I've been pleasantly surprised with the play of the special teams. I think the offense was vanilla by design, and you're right, defensively they missed some tackles, but I did think that the the secondary played better. You know, Cordy played better after you know a, a not so great opener against Western Michigan. Uh, Andre Cisco certainly played better uh, after a, a not so great performance against Western Michigan, even yep. though he had the interception. So, I thought you got out of the game exactly what you wanted to get out of the game, and we talked about it on Saturday. You want to be vanilla, you want to win, you want to get the younger guys in, you and you want to get uh, get out of this game healthy. And it's it seems like they they check all the boxes uh, in you know with that game, and now they move on to Florida State. 
healthy. They've got confidence. They even left their starters in longer than we thought. And Eric Dungy was able to, you know, work on the passing game and they were able to get their work in. Um, you know, Tommy DeVito struggled a little bit, but that's to be expected with a, a kid who hasn't played in, in two full years. I think you got everything out of the Wagner game that you wanted to. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess it was just, uh, it might, I guess maybe what I'm saying is it might not have felt as good as the final score, to me at least, sitting there. I was like, yeah, I don't know. There there are still things that I'm worried about. You're letting up big plays to Wagner. You're you're missing tackles that against them. That is a concern. Like that's, that's, that's concerning because play play, play any athlete who's better than what Wagner had, and you're going you're gonna to be in some trouble with some of that. Well, I, I said that to Julian yesterday about the Florida State game because that's the thing that concerns me about the Seminoles is that we know that they have talent and speed and four- and five-star recruits. They're not playing well right now. They've got a new head coach, and they're trying to figure things out. But what is SU's Achilles heel on defense? It's giving up the big play. And they have guys on that team that can can hit the home run. And that's what concerns me going into this game on Saturday. Um, I think Syracuse is going to be able to score. Man, after watching that Samford game, I think Syracuse is going to be able to score. I do too. Their quarterback put up 475 passing yards. I think Syracuse is going to be able to score. Can Florida State, I can't believe I'm saying this, but can Florida State score with Syracuse? And until I see otherwise, I think the answer is yes. Until I see the Syracuse defense do for a full game what they did in the first half against Western Michigan, I think the answer is yeah, ACC opponents are going to be able to score against Syracuse. And that's the part to me that has to change. Oh, totally agree. Because, like you said, I think Syracuse can score on people, right? Like I, I think this offense is good enough at this point to go down and score on you. But they've got to be able to stop you at least twice, right? <laughs> right? Like Syracuse has to be able to go stop another team like twice, and you've got to bet that the other team is going to be able to stop you once or twice. So you've got to figure out a way to get that balance so that you're good enough defensively to make your offense worthwhile, like. You know, if your defense is going to force a turnover or two and get you good field position, well, you better make sure you're scoring on those. But you've also got to, you know, you, you've got to take advantage of when the defense does their job, right? Defense does their job. You've got to go score. Like, if they force a three and out, if they force a punt, whatever it may be, you've got to be able to go down the field and score because you don't know how often the defense is going to be able to stop the other team. 315-437-7644. You can also text us, 315-288-0644. We do need to take another time out. Phone lines are open. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. Our take on the day's top stories. It's today's business on Orange Nation. We're brought to you in part by Onondaga Community College's Workforce Development Program. Learn the skills local employers need in just two to eight months for more information, go to sunyocc.edu backslash workforce. As we bring in our producer, Tommy Hogan, with today's business. What do you have for us today, Tommy? Yeah, so I know it's a little early, but SB Nation is already doing their bowl game predictions. And the one that they have Syracuse in is, a, is pretty interesting. It's it's the pinstripe bowl again, which Syracuse has already been on in been twice. Been there, done that? Exactly. They're going to play at Yankee Stadium already this year. Is that True. allowed? Or is this is this like the NCAA it's like a home tournament? Game. Is this like the NCAA tournament when you play a team you can't play there, play them in the first round? You've played in the building, you can't play in that bowl game? Well, apparently not, because not only are they in Yankee Stadium, they're playing Minnesota, aka it would be the Mark Coyle Bowl. Give it to me. Let me yes, ask you this. Please. Let me ask you this about Mark Coyle. Yeah. Syracuse makes a bowl game. Say they go seven and five this year. Does he get credit? Well, not even credit, but like, 
I don't know. Like, what's the feeling among SU fans for Mark Coyle? Isn't still content? Contempt? Right? Like, but at what point does that go away? And at what point do you say, you know what? Don't we just kind of forget he him? He came in here and he... He did the right, like he got yes. Dino Babers. He got the job done, right? He he did what he was needed to do, and then he left. And then he left, yeah. I realize a lot of people were upset, he and for good do, reason. He didn't have to do anything else. The only thing he had to come in to do in the athletic department was get rid of the football coach and hire a new one. He my, was technically the hiring firm who just got hired to be athletic director for 10 months. My, my point is, is like, who would you say did a better job as athletic director? Like him if, or Daryl Gross? If they figure this thing out, if they figure, if Dino Babers, yeah. you know, gets this program back on track and, and brings this yeah. program where we think. Well, they're I know go. everybody hates Daryl Gross, so they would probably. But say like Coyle again. I mean, while he was here, and I realized it was it was a very brief time. There was, I mean, they had a lot of success across the board. Now, yeah, I'm not but saying what did he? No, I'm not my, saying it's because of him, <laughs> but if. Like you look at at his tenure, quote unquote, here. The Wait, one can we thing just call he, it a ten month instead yeah, of tenure? Fine. Yeah, right. That's <laughs> that, that was a dad joke. So. It was bad. I know. I know. Um, I'm sorry. That's terrible. You look at like so. What did Mark Coyle do when he was here? The one thing that comes to mind is he fired the football coach, right, and brought in Dino Babers, right. So he made the right hire. Should people be upset with him? He wasn't here long enough to and do oh, anything. By the way, he wasn't here long enough to do anything wrong. And oh by the way, I think you love the guy that they have now in that position in John Wildhack yes. and everything he brings to the table and everything yep. he's doing. So when you look back like why why are people angry at Mark Coyle? He came here, he you know, kind of lied to everybody's yeah. face about really wanting to be here. <laughs> he hired Dino Babers and well, then he left. Well, hold on. If we're gonna hate Doug Marone forever for saying this is his dream job, then we have to hate Mark Coyle forever for saying the same thing. No, because I think at the end of the day, the the athletic department is in much better shape than the football program was. Right, he set back the football program. Mark when Coyle did yeah. not set back the athletic department oh. when he left. He didn't. In fact, the athletic department got stronger when he left, and they right. brought in John Wildhack, and you know he hired Dino Babers, and now you know and got he, out of the way for somebody whose skills are needed so in the department. To this is the way I look at it. it: Doug Marone set the football program back at the time. Mark Coyle enhanced the football program, and then when he left, they brought in a better guy for the job. So right. He left the athletic department in better shape than when he found it, and he left the football program in better shape than when he found it. And you can't say that about Doug Marone. That's fair. So you don't think just everybody stopped the hatred for Mark Coyle? I know I I understand what you're saying when you say Marone set the football program back, but you don't think that even where he set it back to was better than where it was when he came in? Yeah. Yes, he absolutely helped the program. You know, move in the right direction. Right, but like it wasn't the ten steps forward, but like maybe it was still five steps forward from where it was when he got there. Yeah, I mean, I think you look back and you say, thank God for Doug Marone. Because right. if they had made another wrong hire, then this could be Kansas, right? I mean, well, ma- yeah. maybe that's the extreme example. but No, I think that's right. Um, if you if you get it wrong again, boy, I mean, you're, you know, Greg Robinson set the program back eight to ten years, whatever, you know, whatever number you want to throw on it. If they had gotten it wrong again, who knows if they would have been able to recover. So, yes, I certainly see the value in what Doug Marone brought to the table. Um, but the way he left and then taking the assistance with him and yeah, he set the program back from, from where it was like when, when he was, right. you know, 
when he was no, still I, on the I job. Know, to, no, I, I know exactly what you mean. Yes, they they. Went, I just meant that his setback was further ahead than it was when he got hired. Yeah, I'm fine with that. But that's why people hate Doug Marone. Yes, and uh, among other things, and he, you know, can I say that he's arrogant? Okay, yeah, I wasn't going to say that, but yes, he, <laughs> let's go with that. He's arrogant. <laughs> He's arrogant. We're gonna go with that. We're, I'm gonna not say what I, I was gonna say. Know what the, I, I now want to know what I now want to know what you were gonna no, say. No, that's perfect. I was searching for that. You filled it in for me. Pompous. I was gonna be a little stronger, but yes, he's <laughs> he's arrogant. Um, so my point is, is like just let it go with Mark Coyle. Steve, yeah, but I would like to see him in a ball game because that would be fun. That, that would, would be, be fun. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Has anybody told fun. you you look like Mark Coyle a little bit? I don't really? see it. I, no, I think no. I think it's there. I don't see younger it. version, maybe. Yeah, of I, Mark think so. Coyle? I think so. I think younger version it. of Mark Coyle. I, I right. don't see it. A lot well, of people tell me I look like Steve Evans, the former Lemoyne basketball coach. I see that a little. I see that more. I tell you what. I see that more. I tell you what. The day that Evans was hired, okay, at Lemoyne, there was a picture of him on the front page of the sports page. This is a true story. My mother looked at it and she like she thought it was me. And she said I had to do a double take. I was like, why is my son on the front of the sports page? And when I saw it that day, like I had to do a double take as well. Like the the wow. picture that they used the day he was hired, it was yeah. You confused yourself. I mean it was it it, it looked a lot <laughs> like me. It really did. That's funny. Uh so the Jets played very well last night against the Lions on Monday Night Football. Sam Darnold, yes, he threw a pick in his in his first pass of his career. A spin zone, if you will. Uh, he threw a touchdown in the first pass of his career. So He did, technically. Yeah, so not a bad start. But Darren Lee actually said, who had two picks himself, the linebacker for the Jets, that they actually knew the line signals at the line of scrimmage. He said, quote, we knew his signals. We knew everything. That's just preparation as a defense. It seemed like we were in his head as a defense. And they showed it. They had five interceptions last night, four against Matthew Stafford. That surprises me, especially the fact that we're talking about the season opening game. And there's a new head coach there. And I realize they have they have some continuity with the coaching staff back from last year. And Matthew Stafford obviously is back from last year. And, you know, he's he's got his own way of doing things. So I, I get that. But especially in the season opener, I, I found that very surprising that yeah. they didn't they didn't change things from last year to this very year. Odd. Yeah, I was shocked by that. I, I was impressed first off, I was impressed uh that, you know, and I know they watch a lot of film. But I was impressed that even with that amount of film that they have, um, you know, they they would have watched that they were able to, like, go and know. Oh, that that hand signal, like, and I, I'm only going based on what I've seen the Giants do. Like Eli does, like a little like finger pistol thing, right? Like, oh, that means like this play. Like, I I I can't imagine being able to watch and in the moment decipher that like that quickly. Uh, these things are are a lot of these are relatively subtle, right? Like tapping a helmet or or swiping a pant or something well, like that. Well, it's it's like baseball signs, right. and and it's well, some it's the same point, thing. I'm amazed by that too. At some point, you know, the catcher runs out to the mound and they change things up, or you know, the third base coach is changing up what they do, especially when you feel like, hey, they might be onto our signs. Let's change it up. And I I have to think Matthew Stafford, being a veteran quarterback that he is, didn't it occur to him that you know they're they're defending this play a little too tight. Like it's almost like they know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, you know. And I, I would think that at some point, maybe after a pick or two, he says to himself, "Maybe we want, we might want to switch some things up here." And I understand they watch a lot of film, 
But why, like, wouldn't common sense tell you to change your signs year to year? At the very least, year to year. Like, maybe week to week you should be changing your signals because a team is going to watch what you did the prior week. But year to year, you still have the same hand signals for routes and plays? That, that, that to me is strange. And, and it also could be, right, and it could be more than hand signals, too. It could be, or, or you know, words, when, yeah, when sure. the defense shows a certain look, right. we know that Stafford is then going to check into this. And they said based on formations they knew. Right. Like okay. they said that, that's what everything. I'm saying. So it could be more than just hand signals. It could be, all right, we're going to give him this look, then he's going to, you know, he's going to check into audible, this. And he's we'll going to check good. into this, then we're going to, ju- you know, it's, they were one step ahead. It was like okay. a chess game. So, yes, yeah. I'm, I'm surprised that, you know, hand signals or audibles or just the, you know the same way of going about doing things. Like you have to continuously evolve and change. Yeah. And it sounds like the the, the lines, even with a new head coach, didn't evolve week and change. To week and they didn't even do it year yeah. to year. Yeah, so. I, I was surprised. I guess that's the thing I was surprised about. That like coming into the beginning of the season, when a team has more time to prepare for you, you did nothing new. Like you went and tried to do the same thing you did last year. That would explain all the interceptions. Half to half, right? You, you evolve. <laughs> It's weird that they didn't they didn't change things up after a year. And the Jets' defense, their credit looked fantastic. Yes, and and I know you guys mentioned this earlier, but John Gruden after the game said, "quote Obviously, we didn't get to golf enough, and we didn't get to Gurley enough. We'll take a good look at the reasons why we didn't." <laughs> he had a player. We'll take he, a look. He, he is. Let's describing a player this. he had a week and a half ago. Yeah, I hope those two first round picks were worth it. If only we had that guy. If only, if only you had somebody who was an All Pro at two positions last year. Right. And wouldn't it be funny if the Bears that second round pick is also a, a good player too? Khalil Mack on Sunday night too was so good. Nuts. That Khalil Mack was, was just crazy. so good. Could you imagine John being John Gruden watching that? <laughs> being like, I probably should have you know done something about uh, that. He made, his, he made a bit of a mistake. If only we still had that guy. All yeah. right, Tommy, we're up against the clock. Thank you. we got to take our final break. When we return, we'll wrap up a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation right after this on ESPN Radio.